You're listening to the Volleyball by Design podcast. Today, we are going to talk about what are some things that you can do when taking over a team. Uh, a lot of times, you know, I've had a lot of coaches reach out over the last little bit saying they're uh, they're taking over a team for a first time and 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 what what's the process? What are the steps that they should be taking in order to, you know, put that program in the right direction? So we're going to talk about that on today's episode. So stay tuned. Hi, I'm Coach Brian Singh, and after a number of years coaching competitive volleyball and as the head coach of the biggest college in Canada, I've become obsessed with helping coaches improve their knowledge and skills of the game by teaching them how to coach efficiently and effectively to ultimately reach their volleyball goals. I created the Volleyball by Design podcast to give you simple, actionable, step-by-step strategies so you can get clarity and apply what you learn right away. This is the Volleyball by Design podcast. What's up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to episode 134 of the Volleyball by Design podcast. How is everyone doing out there? Man, we're, we're getting ready to go for another year, 2023. Really excited. Uh, I know many of you are starting your club seasons now and, you know, really excited for you guys and for people in Canada, they're continuing with their club season as well as coaches that are at the college level are just now uh, getting ready for the second half. I know my friends in the U.S., the men's games are getting underway now as well. So it's a lot. Of t- it's a great time. It's a fun time right now. And just with that fun time, I decided that we're going to do an episode on what what are the steps you can take when taking over a team? You know, this week I've had a lot of coaches reach out. Um, I've you know, for many that know, we ha- we just finished up. Uh, three workshops on offense. So first of all, thank everyone for tuning into that workshop and for coming out. It was we had a lot of people show up for this year's uh, offensive workshop. So thank you for coming out. I hope you got some value out of it. And during the course of that workshop, I got asked uh, a number of times on you know what are some things that we can do when we're taking over a program, we're taking over a team. That's a great question. So we're going to dive into that in today's episode. Uh, but before we do. New listeners, welcome to the podcast. My name is Coach Brian Singh, and I'm the host of the podcast. And for my regular listeners, as always, you know how much I appreciate you guys tuning in. And for my new listeners, you know the goal of every podcast is to give you tangible, step-by-step strategies, things that you can actually take back to your gym and apply right away. And that's the goal. I'm not trying to keep you here for an hour and a half and just listen to me talk. I want, I want you to take some things away that you can actually apply. So that's kind of what what sparked this episode is I want to I want to help you know coaches in whether you're taking over a team or not this a lot of this stuff can actually apply to you uh, but it is it definitely is catered to you know, to a coach taking over a team uh, but before we do that if you're listening to this episode before January 11th um, then you know that Digital Volleyball Academy is open you might have heard it in the intro so go to digitalvolleyballacademy.com we've had a ton of coaches sign up this week really excited I, I only open up doors you know a handful of times a year and you know one of the things we talked about is, is that mentorship piece if you are looking to get mentored take your coaching to the next level um, join my academy that has a system in place for coaches regardless of where they are in their journey it ha- we have a system. You can find where you are in my success path on my roadmap, and it can take you to the next level. So really excited about our new members. So if you are a new member that joined DVA, welcome to DVA, and I appreciate you you know, taking that leap of faith and trying to elevate your coaching. And uh, believe me, you definitely will elevate your coaching in some way, shape, or form. So 
really excited about that. So yeah, anyways, digitalvolleyballacademy.com for those coaches that are interested. And um, I won't talk about that because you probably already heard about it. So let's get into today's episode. The uh, Now, I do want to preface by saying, if you're taking over a team from a from a team that already has a great established culture, you know, the coach, maybe the coach had to step away for personal reasons, or maybe they retired, or maybe they're just transitioning to a different role, whatever the case is. If you're taking over a team that has a great culture, then the the steps are a little bit different. Okay, so I'm going to I'm going to come back to that later in terms of taking over a team that already has an established culture. Like it's good. If you're taking over a team that needs a reset, Maybe they fired their coach. Maybe their coach stepped down for whatever reason. That wasn't good. But the, the team is in a disarray. And generally, that's what I see most people take over teams. Generally, like 90% of the time, it's because they, they need a new coach. You know, that the coach didn't work out or the team is graduating a lot of players and they need a culture re- reset or like things like that. That's where I'm, what we're talking about today. So before we even get into you taking over the team, I want to make sure that you do your research before you even apply for the job because sometimes if you see a lot of turnover in coaches, sometimes it could be a red flag because administration isn't you know, the most supportive or the not necessarily the team is a, has a bad culture, but the school, the institution, the club, et cetera, may have a bad culture. So you, you also want to make sure that the institution or club is the right fit for you. You know, when I when I had when I talk to coaches and we we walk through, you know, how to like certain things to implement in your program and they say, "Well, I don't know if my administration will support that." See, that's a red flag to me. Because if you can't coach the way that you want to coach, then you can't do your job effectively. You can't do your job to the best of your ability. I mean, obviously within the rules like, you know, you can't be doing illegal stuff and things like that, but you know, if if you if you want to have a program where you do like you know x amount of things, whatever it is, and you're getting pushback, then that's a problem. The biggest red flag is if you can't select the team that you want to select because of outside reasons. So if for, like for here's an example, and it happens all the time. There is an athlete that you know that does not fit your culture. You know, the character isn't there. Maybe there's an ego problem. Maybe there's a lot of different problems, but the, you know the character isn't there, and you would not take that player. But you may be forced by administration to reconsider, or the parents are too heavily involved, and you may have to give in because of that. That is a red flag, and I would never encourage any coach to be part of something like that because you can't. There's no way you're going to be successful if you don't have the ability to choose your team because that's just strike number one. Eventually, then it's going to become, well, playing time. If you don't have the ability to choose your team, you better believe you're not going to have the ability to select who you want to play freely without any kind of tension or recourse from administration or parents. And that's not a positive environment to work in. So let me just preface by saying that. Now, if all things check out, administration is good, the club culture is good, like now you just have to worry about your team. Okay, now let's talk about taking over a team that needs a culture reset. Now, the first principle that I want you to be aware of, and this is really important, is that your team is a representation of you and your culture. And that is a tough pill to swallow sometimes as coaches, because 
sometimes you may inherit a team, you may get a team, and that that team doesn't reflect who you are as a coach. But you allow a lot of things to slide. You, you allow things to happen, and then that becomes a reflection of you and your program. So we have to be true to who we are and make sure that when we establish our culture and our program, that we follow through with that and make sure that the team is behaving in that manner and playing in that manner. Because you look at pro sports, you look at sports in general across the board, when a team isn't performing, who's the first one that, let, that gets in trouble or the first one to get fired? It's not the players, it's the coach. The coach is the first one to go. And you look at pro sports across the globe. You know, you, you know, all the analysts will argue that yeah, this player didn't play great, but that player didn't play this and stuff like that. And at the very at the end of the day, the first change, the first change that management makes is the coach. So, we are responsible for a lot of things. And I actually hold myself to that standard. So, when I have a player who decides to quit or is not does not actually have the character that fits our team. That's my fault. That's that, that the player is being true to who they are. It was my fault for selecting that player or allowing that player to still remain on the team or behave in the way that they're behaving. That is my fault. So I take full responsibility for the wins, the losses, the the drama, the poison, all that stuff. Because at the end of the day, you know, I'm I'm the CEO of this team. It's 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 our, it's my team. Essentially, that's what it is. The team is a reflection of you. So be be mindful of that. Now, sorry, a long little intro about some principles that I want you to understand. But it's it's really important to understand these principles before taking a job and understanding the role that you play in that job. So now, let's say that you've taken over the team, and it's time to instill your identity, your culture on this team. The first thing that I would recommend you doing is getting help. Surrounding yourself with other coaches who can help you, can have that that vision, or rather will be able to execute your vision. Because in order to really run a, a successful program, you can't do it by yourself. Now, I know the first objection I always get is, well, I, I don't have the option of getting help. It's just not available. There's no other, whether it's a budgetary issue, whether you're coaching at a high school and you don't you don't have it's just you by yourself running the program. There is a lot of different reasons why I hear coaches say they're by themselves, and I can tell you this without a doubt. There is always a way to get help. I truly believe that. So I'll give you an example. The one so you guys know I'm a college coach, but I do coach a high school team once a year. It's a high school senior girls, it's a varsity senior girls team I coach once a year because the season's not that long and I'm able to just still, you know, connect with the youth and and, and just be be in tune with youth volleyball because I, I still want to, you know, I, I know I coach at the college and I work with pro athletes, but I want to make sure that I'm still dialed into the youth game. So I do this once a year. I have a blast, by the way. I love it. And it's me by myself in theory, right? It's it, So in Canada, I, I don't know if you guys, this is crazy, by the way, coaches in the US are probably going to think I'm nuts for doing this. But in Canada, coaching high school, you don't get paid. It is a voluntary position. I know it's crazy. And it's even more crazy that coaches do it. But it's because we love the game. And at the end of the day, that's just how it is in Canada. And it's, it's always been like that. So a lot of people don't know better. But we don't get paid. So I volunteer my time to coach this senior girls team. 
Yeah, my wife thinks I'm nuts, but again, I do it to connect and I do it because, you know, I, I genuinely enjoy it. So with that being said, imagine how hard is it to surround yourself with other coaches who want to work for free. It's very difficult. So here's what I've done. If I don't have a staff member and a staff member, meaning another, a teacher in the school who doesn't want to help, that's okay. Sometimes that happens. Sometimes you may get the odd teacher that's willing, that knows nothing about volleyball, but is willing to help. And by the way, I didn't say you need volleyball coaches. I mean, obviously that's your first pick. You want to have as if you can have volleyball coaches, that's great. But if you can't have volleyball coaches, you just need good people, good people who are willing to learn, people who are willing to listen, and actually are there for the right reasons. So I'll put an announcement in the school saying if any student would like volunteer hours to work with the volleyball team, let me know. Really simple request. And you'll always get, if you get a school of a thousand kids, you're always going to get a couple students that are willing to be part of a team. They might not be able to play, but they're, they're interested in getting volunteers and being part of a team. And if you have that interest, you can absolutely take that on and train them on doing certain things that can alleviate, you know, responsibility from you. Give you an example. So on my high school girls team, I have two to three volunteers that work with us. I, I, I call them assistant managers because that's their, their important roles. And what will I have them do? Well, I'll have them stat. So I teach them how to stat. I have my iPad. I teach them how to use the programs, and how to stat. That's something they can do. Once you have a general feel for the game, you can learn how to stat. I walk them through. I teach them how to stat. I have one of the managers film for me. So they can film, practices, games, whatever I need them to film, okay? I have them be targets in practice, so I don't have to worry about my players being targets. They can be targets, so my players can focus on reps, and I can focus on coaching. So now think about it this way. I have, a, a, I have an assistant manager doing stats. I have an assistant manager being targets. Now, so when the drill is going on, I don't have to worry about the logistics of the drill. I don't have to worry about me being the target, me trying to stat. I can now focus on giving feedback to my athletes, which is what you want to do. That is how you become more productive as a coach. So getting help, whether, and again, it doesn't even have to be, and let's just pretend this is club, parents. You can have parents, you can have um, maybe players who didn't make your team that want to still be involved in the sport. There's lots of different ways around it. Advertise volunteers in, in, in your club. Uh, and obviously, if your club has the, the, the budget to pay assistant coaches, even better. But there are always ways you can do it. Listen, even before, when I used to coach club, my wife was, was, was part of my staff. She was our manager and she helped. Right? Like You could figure out ways. You're, you have, if you have friends that want to just volunteer a little bit of time, you know, this, and, and the great thing about it, you're, you're volunteering for something really cool. It's being part of a team. You know, being part of a community, it's amazing. So again, I apologize for going on on this tip, but it's really, it's, it really truly is important. So that's the first thing you want to do. You want to surround yourself by getting help. The second thing you want to do is you want, you want to sit down and really think about what do you want your culture to be? What do you expect out of your players? What are the behaviors you expect from your players? And I want you to create, and you've, you've heard me say this a million times, I know, and I apologize for being redundant, but you want to create a volleyball manual, a volleyball manual. And what a volleyball manual is, if you haven't heard me talk about this before, it is a document that 
outlines the culture and identity of your team along with the policies and procedures. I have an entire episode on what a volleyball manual is. Um, I, I don't remember what episode it is, but you can scroll through. It's in my, it's one of my previous episodes. And that is what you want to, and when you can sit down and plan out your team's identity and culture, you're going to be able to enforce it a lot more easier because it's there. It's a document that everyone will be able to have access to and see, and there will be no surprises in terms of when players get penalized or what the expectations are for your players. So we have in our in our volleyball manual we have our six pillars that are is that is the foundation of our program you know pillars like integrity you know um, humility uh, effort um, competitive being a competitor uh, you know responsibility we have six pillars that we really hold our athletes to uh, and when you create this. You go through with your players. If you have parents and everybody, and everyone signs off on it and calls it a day, and you talk about you know the policies and procedures of your team, you know the expectations, you know the behavior of your player. What do you expect your players to do? Playing, you know things like talk about playing time and suspensions and expulsions and all those things. You lay it out, okay? You lay it out so that it's very evident who you are as a coach, what your team culture is, and that is that's that's a great first start into taking over a team. By the way. Because you're very transparent and you're letting everyone know this is what it's going to be if you want to be on this team. The third thing that I recommend you doing if you're taking over a team is to get to know the current athletes that will potentially be on the team this year or the following year, whatever you're taking over. Have one-on-ones with them and be very intentional about the one-on-ones. Listen, get a chance to know them and also Talk about who you are as a coach and the culture that you're establishing and get a feel if the players not only fit that culture, but are willing to embrace it and encourage others to enforce that culture, if you know what I mean. So sometimes when you sit down with these players, you're going to find that not everyone fits your culture and they may either have to adapt, which they can, or this may not be the team for them. But it, but you do it by getting to know them, and and when and when you have your one on ones, you know this is not an aggressive one on one. This is not like, hey, I'm the coach. This is how things are gonna be. If you want, if you're a part of that, great. If not, we need to leave. It's just understand how they do things around there, because there are some things, believe it or not, that they do that you may want to keep and you may want to have in your program. But there are also a lot of things you probably don't. So getting to understand and getting to know them, it really helps. Because remember, the goal of a coach when it comes to player-coach is to build a really strong relationship. That player-coach relationship is important. And you want to make sure you build a strong foundation with your players. But you also want to make sure you build a a strong foundation with the right players. So getting to know them is important. Okay. Now the fourth thing that I want you to understand is, especially if you're taking over a team that needs a reset, is understand that it takes years to change the culture of a program. You cannot change it in one season. It's almost impossible. And teams and coaches that take over programs and win right away is because the previous coach already had a great culture and a great program running. And that's why you'll see, like, the best example I can give is um, Steve Kerr, Golden State Warriors. Well, Steve Kerr took over a team and won a championship in his first year as a coach, but it was because the players and the system, they already had a great foundation. He wasn't starting from scratch. So now that that in itself is why he was able to do that, and he took that team to another level. 
So for me, I'll give you a perfect example, and you probably heard me say this story before, but when I got hired at my college that I coach at right now, they needed a culture change. They had uh, Two years prior, their coach retired, and unfortunately, they brought in a, 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 a I think the, the coach was an assistant coach at the time when that player, when that coach retired, but, or maybe he wasn't. He might not have even been an assistant. I don't know. He was a former player for the college. He went on to play pro, and then he came back, and they gave him a head coaching job right away. Now, here's the thing. I, and I, say, I said this in my workshop that many of you may have listened to. Just because you're a great player doesn't mean you'd be a great coach. Coaching and playing are two different things. And management, administration, everyone needs to realize that. Just because you played at a high level does not mean you can coach at a high level. And, and I really, and if you're a club director, if you're, if you're in management, if you have the, the power to hire coaches, please understand that. Because I've seen it time and time again where these universities and colleges and clubs will, will hire coaches with no coaching experience to be a head coach of an elite team. Like if you have no coaching experience, but you're a great player, you could take on a younger team. That's fine because you, you'll, be, you'll, you'll be learning how to do it while coaching a team that is learning the developmental, like developmental fundamentals of our game. But don't put them into a varsity position or a college position as a head coach. It's not going to work uh, or, or, or very rarely it works. And that's exactly what happened. That coach came in, unfortunately derailed the program and uh, lost, like it, it, it was a toxic environment and they had to let him go. So the next round of hires that they were doing is they were very careful about the coaches that they selected. And again, I, I, I don't want to sound arrogant when I say this story, but I actually didn't apply for the head coach because this is the biggest college in Canada. I, I really believed at that point in my career, I was not qualified to take on the head coach of the biggest college in Canada. It, it just wasn't, I, I had success at the club level, yeah. I, I coached national players, yes, but I never was an assistant coach, let alone a head coach of a college program. So they, they did their, they did like first round, second round interviews, and normally they hire in like March, April, and then it became June, and they didn't hire a coach. I guess that they didn't like what they saw in the interviews because they wanted a coach to change the culture and, and establish a, a long-term program. So a former player of mine was actually on that team that year and dropped my name to the athletic director, and they reached out to me and said, would you be interested in applying? And I actually told them that I wasn't qualified for the position. I'm like, hey, I really appreciate you reaching out, but I don't think I'm qualified for the position. And they told me to apply anyways. And what I had to do was I had to create a presentation on how I would run the program. Now, just because I didn't coach college doesn't mean I know how to run a program because I ran a I, I ran what I like to believe a pretty successful program at the club level, you know, at, at the 18U club level. So I described exactly what I did with them and what I would do with the, at the college. And I, I walked through what the culture looks like. I talked about the fact that, you know, we would have a training camp. I talked about my volleyball manual. I talked about the culture of what I would instill, what my non-negotiables are, um, you know, a weight room culture, practices, how I run things, the expectation, recruiting, all these things. And at the end of it, I got a call the very night, the same day, a couple hours later, saying I got the job. And very, very excited and privileged and honored to, to be able to have that job. And I accepted, absolutely. And that's what began my coaching journey at the college level. And in my very first year, remember, I took over a team that previously had toxic culture. So in my very first year, we were the second bottom team in the league. 
And the reason for that is because I had to sacrifice wins to change the culture of our program. I had to cut players during the season. I had I, I, I benched my captain during a big road trip that would have made us that would have got us into the playoffs because of character issues. And again, he left that year. We didn't, we didn't take him that year. And nothing against that captain, by the way. Great. Like, he's a great person as an individual. But he just didn't fit our culture. You know, you know he had, like, guys were afraid to play with him because, you know, it, he just didn't fit our culture. So culture reset, it took a season to do that. And the very next season, year two of me being the head coach of this program, we were the second best team in the East. So we went from being the second worst team in the East to the second best team in the East. And that was because I understood that I understood that it takes time, okay? It takes time to, re- to have a culture reset. And in addition to the time, it takes, it, it takes changing personnel and keeping the pl- So now at the end of that first year, all the players that stayed in the program were the ones that fit our culture. And then when we got a chance to recruit, we recruited players who fit our culture. And by year two, we were the second best team in the league. And then the, and then the rest is kind of history. Now we're we're not in a rebuild, but we're in a we're in a pre we're in a post COVID era where um it, I'm having a bit of a tougher time right now getting that getting back to that top, top level. Uh, but we're above five hundred. You know, we're we're still a competitive team on any given night. Uh, the number one team in the in in the in the league played us. And said that we were the toughest team they played against. So we're, we're doing the right things. Um, it's just not showing up on the wins column just yet. But again, we're above 500, so we're working towards that. So understanding that you're gonna, it's going to take some time. Okay, so lesson number four, it takes years. It could take more than one year. It took me one year. I'm very lucky it took me one year. I was expecting a two to three year period of a culture change. Um, so I got lucky. But make those decisions, okay? Um, which leads me to point number five, which is you have to make changes to the personnel. You got you to gotta make your change. You got to pick the players that fit your culture, okay? And then, actually, these are all kind of, point number six, too, is, was, was very related to all these points here, is be prepared to lose games to instill your culture. Uh, you got to be prepared to do that. So, lessons, let's just talk about the takeaways here for this episode. When taking over a program, okay, when taking over a program that needs a reset, you have to be, one, you need help. Surround yourself with the right people that can help you because you can't, doing it alone, you, I mean, you could do it alone, but you won't be successful doing it alone versus doing it with help. I guarantee it. Just because if you were trying to take stats at practice, then now you're all of a sudden you're not giving feedback to players. You know, like it, it, it always takes away from something that you could be more productive doing. So you always want to be as efficient as possible. And the more help you get, the more efficient you're going to be. You want to establish your volleyball manual by thinking about what your culture is going to be, what the behaviors of your players you expect, and how you want your identity to be. And you make sure, make sure you lay it all out in your volleyball manual. Then you get to know your players, have your one-on-ones to see exactly, you know, get a chance to know them, get a chance to build a relationship with them, get a chance to see what, what's been successful for them since they've been in the program. And then, obviously, you can decide you know, who you want to keep, who you don't want to keep, etc. Understand that it takes years to change a program. Okay, it doesn't take, it doesn't happen over in one night. It doesn't happen in one season. You take, you know, I was fortunate enough where it happened in my second season, but it's not gonna happen that first season. And you're gonna have to make changes to the, to the player personnel, all right? And you're gonna have to be prepared to lose games to instill your culture. It's just what it is. If administration does not support you to make your own decisions, it is not a place you want to coach. And I have coaches talk to me all the time 
about a parent complains and all of a sudden their hands are tied or a principal or administration says, yeah, you need to take this player. I'm sorry. No one tells you who you can or cannot take. And I've had situations, even in even in my career, not at the college level, but I, I'm not even kidding. This is crazy. But the high school team that I voluntarily coach at, I was told, and I, I won't na- name names and say years so people can figure it out, but it was a year, I was told that I couldn't take these players on this team because they should play for the junior team instead. I was like, what are you talking about? They have the ability to play on the senior team. It's it's a senior varsity team. We why wouldn't they? I I've selected them to play on the team. They've tried it. They've made it. And then I was told that I couldn't take them. That they need to play on the junior team because it's not fair to other players. Some nonsense that they created because they said that. I don't want to start talking about this because I, I get fired up when I talk about this. But long story short, administration said that it's not equitable for them to play on the senior team because I'm taking opportunity away from senior players. And I said to them, wait a minute, if a senior player could have made the team, they would have made the team. It has no bearing on whether a junior player plays on the senior team or not. It's irrelevant. So long story short, they said, no, our decision is the juniors will play on the junior team. And when they took those juniors away from me, I didn't replace them with senior players because the senior players weren't able to make the team. So in fact, it took away opportunity because now players that could have made a junior team, like two spots were taken because now that those juniors are coming back down to play. So I had, I had a situation where that principal told me who I can or cannot take. And I'm sorry, but if you, you, you don't tell me who I can or cannot take on my team, unless it's, unless it's against the rules of the league or something like that. Like if the league didn't allow it, sure, then obviously I'm breaking the rules. But for you to go and make a decision based on, on what you believe is equitable, which by the way isn't, uh, yeah, that's a problem. And uh, I, didn't, I didn't coach. I, it's, I, I said, well, you can find another coach if you're going to, I'm voluntarily, I'm volunteering my time and you're going to tell me who I can or cannot coach. Yeah, I'm sorry, but it doesn't work that way. And I, I left. And there, it was actually really funny. There was a, a huge uproar. Uh, parents got involved. There was a petition, um, and it was it was it was pretty intense actually. And I, I was very um, it, it was it was kind of humbling to to see all that support that I had for you know for that decision. But at the end of the the principals and administration make their decision. You can't do anything about it. And at that point, it was like the administration was like, no, no, this is my decision and I'm sticking by it. I'm not, I'm not having you win. It, it, it became personal. So I was like, okay, whatever, you know, you do you. And I didn't coach. It's that simple. So uh, I've been in situations like that, believe it or not. And you have to step away. And at the end of the day, some people may say I was selfish because, well, what about the kids? It's in the best interest of the kids. And I understand that they have a coach. Like they, they, they had a replacement. So they're still going to have a season. They're still going to, is the, is the coach going to be coach B? Me? No, it's not going to be that. It's not going to be me, but they have a coach. So they, they got to live with those decisions. And you have to do, at the end of the day, you have to do what's best for you. And if you are being told how you are, how like micromanage and how you're going to do your job, you can't do it. It just doesn't work that way. So sorry, there's a little rant for you, but that's true. And you got to stay true to yourself. So just to really quickly wrap up this in terms of what you're going to do if you take over a team that has a strong culture, maybe uh, a coach decided to retire, you know, it's they're, 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 you know, 
they're retiring for whatever reason or, you know, personal reasons that they want to be spend more time with their family or whatever the case is. But you're taking over a team that has good culture. So what you have to be aware of when you have a team that has good culture is really understand what's been working for them and don't try to rock the boat so much. But if it's been working and they've been winning and they have a good culture and it's something that you can, you know, you could see yourself taking to another level, great. I still want you to instill things that you believe in. I still want you to instill your culture. Don't get me wrong. That's important. But don't try to rock the boat to a point where you're erasing the culture that they have to instill yours. This is a situation where you have to migrate the two. Okay. And over the course of the the next three or four years, if your culture becomes more dominant and you're still winning and you're still having a strong culture, then you can kind of take it over that way. But you don't want to do a complete reset on a team that's already solidified, already has a great culture, great character players. The coach has done a great job of setting that program up. You don't want to derail it by implementing your things. Slowly integrate your things into an already established culture. Okay. All right. That's my little spiel for you here if you're taking over a team. And, and by the way, even if you're not taking over a team and you have a team, think about some of these things that you could, you could implement to your team right now to help build and establish that strong culture because I think it's important. All right? Well, that's it for me. If you are listening to this prior to January 11th, really uh, super excited about you joining DVA. If you're interested, digitalvolleyballacademy.com. Get registered. This is an opportunity for me to get to work with you provide that mentorship to really take your game to the next level and, and help you and your team and whatever wherever you are in your coaching journey. I'll tell you, the number one thing that helped me ex- accelerate my growth was mentorship. Number one thing. Not any volleyball subscriptions, not YouTube, not Google, you know, not all that stuff. It was getting that mentorship because I, they were able to identify where I was, show me the path to get to the next level, and be there with me to support me. And that's what I do for coaches every day. And I absolutely love it. So I hope you're part of that journey. Or I hope you let me be a part of that journey for you. All right, that's it for me. I will see you guys next week on another episode of the Volleyball by Design podcast. Take care. All right, cue the music. Look, are you at the stage you want to be in your volleyball journey? How would it feel to get clarity on your training? And instead of taking months to get better, you could improve in weeks, if not days. When I was a young coach and player, I felt this way all the time. The truth is, after I got some great advice on how to be efficient, my learning curve grew exponentially. Let me show you how to be more efficient and effective in this game. I invite you to check out CoachBTraining.com for more resources that you can use to take your game to the next level. I look forward to helping you reach your volleyball goals.